GameZillaMedia.com. Alive, surging up from the depths of the sea on a tidal wave of terror to wreak vengeance on mankind. Raging through the streets on a rampage of total destruction. The GameZilla Podcast. Is this the end of our civilization? Prepare for gaming domination. The mightiest monster of them all. Grimlock, the Diamond Nine, and Jazzy Fiddle. GameZilla. Welcome to the GameZilla Podcast, your last line of defense in major gaming news. I'm your host, Grimlock, and with me in the GameZilla Media Studios, Dead Eye Night and Testonomics. We're back from San Antonio, and by we, I mean not me. <laughs> How'd that go? Is that... Oh. oh my god, someone has an authentic That's 22 in the studio. just like it. Oh, wow. Are we Man. safe? Welcome to episode 243 of the GameZilla podcast. We are jazzy list today. Uh, as that I has already acknowledged, we were at PAX South in San Antonio, Texas. Jazzy, we left him there. He just just didn't uh, didn't make the flight. I don't know what happened. Something about turning the alarm off and smothering with a pillow. I wasn't involved. That's all I have to say. Also, uh, we won't be hearing from Juno Jade for a while. She's going to have to lay low. Nothing cop-related or having a warrant out for her rest. She's no, just yeah. laying, laying low. Yeah. yeah. And your wife uh, may never return. Right, yeah. But, you know, it's all good. It's all good. <laughs> we're we're going we're gonna to make it through this. But anyways, <laughs> we got a very special show for you brought to you by our patrons. And since Jazzy's not here, Test is going to cover for him. I certainly am. <laughs> Definitely planned in advance. Patreon.com slash Games of the Media. Head over to our Patreon page where you can see four different tiers of perks that we offer that comes with exclusive content, the ability to vote on this show and, and different things for other shows on the network. You can get an NPC designed after you if you're familiar with our show Noobs and Dragons. All that and more at patreon.com slash Media. And remember, for the month of January, we've only got a couple days left. All of that exclusive content is 100% public and free to view, free to listen since we reached our GameZilla Gives Back goal earlier this year. So go and see all the great content we provide you now and consider signing up so you can see all that content throughout the rest of this year. Tess, is there anything special diggity dropping tomorrow? We do have a couple things diggity dropping on Patreon.com slash Media today. If you're listening on Tuesday when we come out, you're right. You're we right. have already <laughs> dropped a special episode of Deadite's Diggity Dungeon of Diggity Doom with myself, the Deadite Knight, and a special guest discussing in a very casual and friendly manner what the world of wrestling looks like outside of the WWE. So our Dungeon of Doom typically consists of a little overview of what's going on in wrestling right before a big pay-per-view event. Um, but for this show, we want to talk about everything that's not in WWE and how you can get involved with uh, the wrestling scene outside of the major player. All right. Well. Yeah. Thanks. I know what day it is. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, we record this Tuesday morning. It's 5 a.m. on Tuesday. <laughs> that's it. I still have jet lag from that trip I didn't take that's in just one time zone over. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> me too. I got three jet legs. All right, well, thanks to all of our patrons. On today's episode, we will be covering Square Enix making some moves. Mortal Kombat is back Mortal in the in the fighting game Kombat. scene. And then we're going to cover Pack South because that's where I've been. We all were there. Yeah, everybody. The whole team was there. I'm sorry. 
I really do apologize for that trip. But anyways, <laughs> this and much more will be coming on episode 243 of the Gamezilla Podcast. Let's get into some team talk. <laughs> All right, well, Testonomic said he has something very good for Team Talk. What I didn't say yeah, very he said it good. Was, he said it was extraordinary. I said I had something for Team I, I Talk. Legendary. Said, I think Legendary was also I used. I don't remember any Some of these fart words. fart sounds actually was played in, in excitement. So Testonomic's take it away. This is all true. So <laughs> I finally, after about 45 hours, I beat Starlink Battle for Atlas for Nintendo Switch, which had the Star Fox content on it. And I really enjoyed the game. My biggest problem with it, and I didn't know going into it, but there's only about eight storyline missions, right? A lot of it's you're going, it's it's very open world, very early in the game. A, a lot like, I think like it's an Assassin's Creed game when they finally started to get things right. And it's like, cool, I got access to all the planets. I went and just did everything on all the planets. And then when I'm finally, you know, I have 100% at all the planets in the solar system. Like, okay, cool, time to push the story. I pushed the story, the next mission was like, hey, uh, go recruit some people from the planets. It's like, oh, you've done that, cool. The next mission, help defend these bad guys attacking that. Oh, you have great armies on these planets, the bad guys are no threat. Okay, I guess you can go ahead and, and, and fight the final boss now. Like when I decided, so after about 30 hours of doing just random stuff, so I got into the game, about 30, 35 hours of going around, collecting materials, building up, you know, observatories and armories and all this stuff and making these planets really cool. It took me about an hour, maybe an hour and a half of pushing the story. And I was super over leveled. I melted everything and the game was over. And I'm like, I guess I could have expected that. <laughs> when all the things were like level 22, my guy was level 74 or something like that. I'm like, yeah, this is a... This is about the end of the game. So I really like the game. I would encourage people to buy it. Um, the Toys to Life version's real sloppily done. Um, well, the physical version that you actually need to have the toys for is real sloppily done. Um, but I bought the digital deluxe version for 40 bucks, which came with all the toys built into the game digitally. So you never have to scan them. You don't gotta use a stupid Joy-Con mount for your ships and your pilots. And uh, But do you get to use the power of imagination outside the video game? You don't. <laughs> Then uh, I guess you wasted your money. <laughs> you're right. You're right. Um, so yeah, all things are really good game, super fun, and I was able to step off that. I haven't played a story like a real story driven game in a while. Um, I mean, Pokemon kind of counts, but it also doesn't. So I'm on to uh, getting pro in Dragon Ball Fighter Z in time for Evo this year. <laughs> there we go. We're gonna send test to Evo. Coming for you, Sonic Fox. Dead Eye Night gaming moment of the week. Rip your tail off. My gaming moment of the week involves this beautiful song we're listening to. Mm. Oh no. The Wii eShop or whatever you call it, the Wii Shop shuts down in a matter of days. I think it actually closed on the 29th maybe. Probably. I made my final purchase on the Wii Shop because I had 800 leftover points that had been sitting on there for, I don't know, four years or something like that uh, because you haven't been able to add points since last March. So I went ahead and completed... Hold on, you can't finish this this story without more of the music. You're not wrong. That's the F7, not the 7. Okay, <laughs> now people know what, what hotkeys does what. <laughs> a little inside, a little peek behind the scenes here at the GameZilla Podcast. I completed my digital trilogy by buying Donkey Kong Country 3 
Dixie's Double Trouble. I don't, I don't <laughs> even remember what's. The, I don't even remember the sub name. What of are that your game. favorite trilogies? And yeah. there you go. Man, the third one is great. It's better than almost every game ever made, but it's still the worst of the trilogy. But so, so I now own all the Donkey Kong Country games digitally on the on the Wii. There, there as well as physically. I do. Uh, Grim got uh, me the Super Nintendo cartridges for my birthday a few years ago. Yeah. Dixie Kong's Double Trouble. Yeah, I was close. Yeah. I thought there was more alliteration with it being the third or something, like triple tricked, but nope. It's so you own trouble. all three on the Wii. You own all three physical on SNES. You own some on Game. You own the original on Game Boy Advance, right? I own the. Tr- I, I, I own. I own two on the Game Boy Advance. I don't. I don't think I own the original on Game Boy Advance or... Oh, yeah. No, I think I might own the original on Game Boy Advance as well. I haven't bought any of them on the 3DS eShop. Um, and see. I own all three of the Donkey Kong lands physically. Yeah, okay. I was just saying, you, you, buy, you bought a lot of Donkey Kong countries and Donkey Kong lands. Well, I, I'm in a similar boat to you with Super Metroid. You continue to rebuy it, yeah. and it's like that. It's that series of games that I'll continue to rebuy just because I will legitimately play it that much. It is, yeah. It's definitely my favorite retro series for sure. All so, right. cool. All right. Well, uh, my gaming moment of the week took place in San Antonio, Texas, while we were there for Pack South, and I would have to say probably. It doesn't have to do with video games. It has to do with a trading card game, a physical trading card game by Wizards of the Coast. Yu-Gi-Oh? Uh, you were playing Yu-Gi-Oh? Uh, Wizards of the Coast, I don't think, makes Yu-Gi-Oh. I think it's Hasbro. Yeah. It's something you wouldn't expect. Yeah. I'll look it up. But you, but Hasbro did team up with Wizards of the Coast to make a new game that came out late last year in Transformers The, game, the, the Trading Card Game. And uh, I'm walking around the convention... Uh oh! Someone, do you have an answer? No, I'm super wrong. It's Konami, not Hasbro. Oh, that is super duper wrong. So, but um, I'm walking around the convention and I look at this big banner next to the Magic banner, and it's got Grimlock just towering. And I'm like, oh, what is going on? Why is there a giant Grimlock over there? Like a photo of you? Yeah. Yes, me. Like just you know, smiling, looking like a giant T Rex. I hope it's okay that I gave them that photo of you. Yeah, it was fine. So I walk over, and uh, the lady's like, oh, you're here to learn how to play Magic? And I'm like, no, 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 I can't go down that that rabbit hole again for the fifth time. And you threw pocket <laughs> sand in her face. You're like, get away from me, witch! Yeah, and I hissed at her and ran away. <laughs> but then I, like, then I crawled back, and I was like, but about that other banner right there? And she's like, oh, Transformers, wait in this line, and they'll show you how to play it. So we, uh, Jazzy and I decided to... Uh, to sit down with a Wizards of the Coast representative, and they taught us this this game that that they described as rock'em sock'em robots beat 'em up, just just basically duke it out and see whose transformer lasts the longest. And um, so we played around, and I was I had a ton of fun playing the game. So I literally I jumped onto the other side of the booth and I bought a booster box. And then we went live on Facebook and we were, we opened up all the cards. But then it was fun because Jazzy and I spent some time in the hotel, like building out a, like learning the game, you know, reading the rules, building a deck, and really like trying to build like this strategic um, loadout to something that I've never played really, besides one time with a with a starter deck. And we uh, we had a couple matches and we really liked it, so we went out and bought some more cards the following day. And now now we're we're all the way in. I have the complete set of Dinobots. That is my team right now. I run the full Dinobot squad with my own custom built deck, and uh, it's been a lot of fun. 
when I was on my cruise in the fall, I was this close. For everyone listening, I'm holding my fingers very just inches apart. My very, thumb and my 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 pointer fingers. Two inches. They're very close. Very close. It's very a, close. It's incredibly close. To dumping a ton of money into a professional wrestling trading card game. Oh no! They had them there on the boat, and they were teaching people how to play it. And I was like, I didn't have time to sit down and learn how to play it. But if I would have. I would have come back broke. I would have bought like all the cards they had there because they had exclusive like on the boat only cards. Yeah, that's why I've stayed away from trading card games. So I'm going to respectfully ask you to stay the hell away from me with your Transformers game because I'm yeah. not trying to get sucked. Well, into the good this. news is I bought we bought like two booster boxes, <laughs> so we almost have the first wave, like the first set. The second set doesn't come out till March, so you're okay. But the first wave, we almost have the complete set, so you can just try the game and play it, and you nope. don't have to buy anything because nope. I have it all. I'm not. I'm not going to let you be a card crack dealer. I'm yeah. not going to be like, yeah, just get a little sample. Look how much fun it would be. I did it with Jazzy, and now Jazzy played Transformers, and before we left San Antonio, he had downloaded four different trading card games digitally on his phone and he literally that's all he did his Vita his Switch everything else just got packed away and he was just sitting there playing card games on his phone when we weren't playing Transformers you caused that boy to relapse yeah that's why he's not here today actually he's busy playing Hearthstone was it Super Fight 500 the card game mm-hmm. interesting interesting no 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 no. it was called Super Show Super Show I thought so man there's mm. a super fight here I mean, to buy him before Royal Rumble on Sunday <laughs> Anyways, but yeah, no, it was a lot of fun, and I think the, I think the point you made about not having the time to learn a game—that's why this game is pretty cool. Is it's real straightforward. It's pretty easy. Some people don't like it because there's not enough strategy. But if you're looking for a trading card game and you're a fan of Transformers, um, this game is a lot of fun and can just be quick. The games are quick. The deck building is pretty simplistic. You can really kind of pick your favorites and still build a pretty fun team that that can compete. And right now, from what the research, the little research that we've done, there's not necessarily like that one deck that's going to beat everybody else because it does come down to there's a little more luck involved in this game than, than a traditional card game. And so far, I've enjoyed it. Even like our last game that we ended up playing in tech in Texas was it came down to the last play and to the last hit point so i was like wow you could not get any closer to who was going to win this game and jazzy edged it out so but yeah uh that that's my gaming moment of the week that's our gaming moments of the week let us know your gaming moment in the discord gameslomedia.com right on that home page click the discord button join our community talk with gamers from around the world every day for free and you can jump into uh, gaming general, talk about some trading card games maybe that you uh, like. Maybe you're playing a Transformers game and you can let us know what you think of it. But uh, I'll have some more videos and stuff going up about my uh, my experience with this game. How cool is the artwork for this game? So that's, that's one thing I love, right? I'm a huge Transformers fan. It's the only reason I even gave this game a, tr- a try because I was not playing any card games. Um, it is like a mix of like beautiful gen one style art with like and these so these characters they transform right like one side of the card is spoilers i know right one side of the card is is their car their airplane their dino form the other side is the robot form and what you'll notice is one side will be like (laughs) will be like legit old school art style and the other side will be like this foiled version like newer art style that you've seen 
it's it's all beautiful honestly i really really like the art styles especially on the character cards and i guess the one thing i should say is the character cards are like giant you know they're like they're like five inches by like eight inches they're they're large cards so the packs that you buy are huge because each pack comes with one character and then seven playing cards and those cards are normal size so and every character the robot form is foiled and the transform form is just standard so they're all really like high quality the only thing i i found trying to bring them home was because it's such an awkward size card I couldn't find a box to properly put them in and the box that the booster comes in is real flimsy so i had to be real careful bringing them home but um i'm sure i could find something now here at like a local card shop that'll be better but at the sh at the uh, show i couldn't find anything that would fit those cards but yeah the artwork's beautiful if you're a transformers fan you'll love it all right let's move it on we got some uh news so let's let's cover it out let's get this out here let's do it right I'm searching the web for the latest gaming news. Searching GameZillaMedia.com. Downloading headlines. Alexander, what about this monster story of yours? Downloading. All right, this week is a little unique because we do have a lot of uh, stuff to cover from PAX, so we're only going to do a couple news topics. Uh, we're going to let Tess take it away with topic number one. What do you got for us, Test? So as per usual, I've got a Nintendo-ish topic for us. Um, last week in Europe, Square Enix filed a trademark for HD 2D. And by that, they mean the art style that is, you know, high-resolution, high-quality artwork for, for video games on a 2D setting, which we saw most recently in Octopath Traveler for Nintendo game you, Switch. A game you loved. A game that I've been telling people for for weeks that like that's great for 20 hours, that it just takes a big old dump ski on you, and no one seemed to listen until everybody at the same time hit that 20-hour mark, and they're like, wow, this game stopped being fun really quickly. Dead Eye, if a, if a game took a dump ski, on, dump ski on you, what would it sound like? <laughs> Yeah. Oh, All right, there it is. That's it. That's I was expecting. Octopath. I was expecting a little bit more with like kielbasa or you know something a little bit more Polish in there, but. <laughs> All right, so there we go. Well, <laughs> Jazzy's, anyway. Jazzy's listening back to this, going, "This is why I didn't show up today." <laughs> exactly. Um, so I mean, that's really it. So it, they've they've trademarked this art style in Europe, um, which the uh, Octopath Traveler producer went on uh, mentioned last June. So this is a little bit dated. That Square Enix has been working on other original titles for Switch, and they'd like to continue um, working on those titles for Switch and uh, be able to reveal those when they're ready and Nintendo deems them ready to uh, to be announced. So it's just interesting because I don't know of a time when a studio like this has been able to trademark an art style. So it's like trademarking cell shading. You know, I, every cell shaded game is now, you know, under someone's umbrella or yeah when i heard this the first thing i thought of was bullet time and how the wachowski brothers um actually got the, the rights to bullet time so everybody that did the slow down you know popular matrix bullets um style was paying them to use that effect who's the wachowski brothers wachowski brothers are the creators of the matrix oh or more importantly speed racer the film I was thinking they were the guys that did Max Payne. <laughs> I, forgot, I forgot they made that film. V for Vendetta was also them. I like V for Vendetta. Yeah. But anyways, <laughs> back during the Matrix, they, they copyrighted that, that technique, that style of the effect, 
And so anybody that wanted to use like slow time bullet um, effect was paying them rights to that effect. So Max Payne just paid out the ass. Yeah. Yeah. That's dumb. Yeah. So that was when you kind of mentioned this, I, I instantly was like, there's a lot of like 2D high red stuff that's like it's popular right now. You know, like it's a popular style that like does it cover like I'm curious as to what the the legal documents states like. I was just at PAX. I saw t- tons of high-res 2D indie scene, like, would all that fall underneath that category? I'm sure there's probably some, like, some bit count, right? Like, a 16-bit ga- game is not HD, right? So your Shovel Knights are all protected, and even 32-bit, 64-bit, right? All these games that are super easy for indie devs to make because it's not as graphically demanding is probably all protected. I don't know what it would be something that, you know... At, at smooth textures at 1080p holding 60 frames per second on a 2D setting or whatever it is, there's probably a lot of mumbo-jumbo. And, of course, this this is not in the U.S. This has only been trademarked in Europe as of now, um, which would lead me to believe that they're probably having a little bit of difficulty in the U.S., yeah. you know, trying to get the same similar patent. So, um, that's I mean, that's it for the story. It's just kind of interesting that, you know... You'd think if someone would have, you know, patented cell shading or 3D polygonal, you know, designs like rare books it for, uh, for Donkey Kong. They said, you know what, this is this is Donkey Kong. What was that? Land? No. Country? No. 64. Yeah, because Don- probably 64 because well, it was on the N64. Well, a really good example would actually be if rare. You know, I get to talk about Donkey Kong twice in this episode, but if they trademark the 3D models that they use to give the effect to Donkey Kong Country cuz you know back then it was everything was pixel sprites but they actually you know made these computer generated models for for Donkey Kong and its environments and then actually animated those into being a a 2D game so it gave the effect if they were to trademark that's the same thing they did with Killer Instinct so th- games like uh Primal Rage that tried to do like a similar thing afterwards may have had to like pay out so yeah, it is interesting to think that uh, some of these companies didn't lock down some of the, like the like we were looking up cell shading um, when it first kind of hit the gaming market, and that would have been around 2000 on the Dreamcast for uh, what was it, Jet Set Radio or, or um, yeah, yeah, Jet Set Radio, and so like that game, that art style is something I've always loved from Automodelista to to uh, Beautiful Joe, and, and even like in this, some of um, Platinum Games' uh, new, newest uh, Transformers, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, all have that art style. Like, I wonder why companies back in the day when, when you had that first company that like did something that no one else did, why they wouldn't have tried to lock it down then. Maybe they didn't think it was worth anything or, or what, but um, now you look at it and it has Square Enix started a trend here. We're moving forward. We're going to watch other companies lock down uh, and, pr- and proprietary um, uh, designs and, and styles. That'll That'll be... Another way for a developer or a pub or even like a publisher to lock stuff like that down, uh, if they own that developer to make extra money. Who You're needs right. loot boxes anymore when every game that everybody makes you have to pay EA? Right. I, I, I had a <laughs> I had a character sneeze in one of the cutscenes, and actually Square Enix owns the right to sneeze in characters and cutscenes. <laughs> right, that's so. what I mean. Like it's a slippery slope. Where I'm not I'm not sure what. Uh, I don't know. I, I'm not a huge fan of this. Like, it, it, I guess it depends on how specific this patent is. But I, um, overall, I'm just like, I don't, I don't like that idea. Just because 
this particular one, I am I have been enjoying games of that style. So if it is more of a broad cover and Square Enix all of a sudden starts kind of uh, shaking down some of these indies and, and stuff like that for for their for what's their right, um, I'm not uh, I'm not sure I'm a huge fan of that. But if it is more specific to something, you know, like 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 you were saying, Tess, where it's uh, very drilled down to a certain style, I guess sure if you want to protect that. But I guess at that point. Why are you protecting that? It, it definitely runs the risk of stifling some sort of some pre, uh, cr- stifling some creativity um, by people that you know can't do things one way or the other because they'll have to pay. But if there was a gaming a uh, a gaming franchise that should have copyrighted excessive blood and guts, do we have anything to talk about that kind of company today? Yeah, I mean that's a that's a good point. I I, I don't know. Um, we're talking about Primal Rage, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Primal Rage. I was actually thinking Rampage. I was oh. actually thinking Pit Fighter. I was thinking uh, Pitfall <laughs> on Atari. I was thinking about Pong. Okay, there's no like Pit or any like words that, that just start with a letter. I was P. thinking about uh, Brutal Ski Ball. I do love Ski Ball. No, Brutal Ski Ball. It's a thing. I saw it at PAX. All right, Mortal Kombat 11 <laughs> reveal event. There it is. It happened. Oh, oh that's shit. loud. That was loud. Yeah. Man, this was my jam back in 1992. Are. Man, I'm picturing <laughs> a young Grimlock with a boombox on his porch doing karate in his front yard with this song blaring. Naked. <laughs> but butt naked. That's right. He's like, I'm Goro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I'm not going to lie. There was definitely... Me on the porch with the boombox blasting this music. I'm, I know. I wasn't yeah. even a part of yeah. your childhood, and I know it happened. That's I was right. there. It was this, and then like with the wallflowers, one headlight. <laughs> That's weird. <laughs> oh, and Beastie Boys Intergalactic. Don't I forget did, about that, I did too. know about that yeah, story. It was like those three songs on loop. <laughs> <laughs> you burned a CD with 18 tracks, and it's just the, those just three the, songs repeated six yeah, times yeah. a piece yeah. in order. Uh, but we were excited enough that uh, Never Realm held their Mortal Kombat 11 reveal event. They had two locations, Los Angeles as well as London. Uh, None of them were in San Antonio, which was offensive. That could have been a great part of PAX South, but it was not the case. Uh, And so, you know, there was a lot of questions after we saw the the teaser trailer that was dropped during the Video Game Awards in late December. And, uh, you know, here we are. We've seen the gameplay, and they've confirmed uh, some of the hints that we had. You know, when you watch the original trailer of Raiden and Scorpion fighting, a second Scorpion shows up, and right away, you're like, oh, I think there's time travel involved. And they, they go ahead and they go into that a little bit more in the reveal. But overall, the game looks a lot like Mortal Kombat 10. It looks like... Um, it looks like they didn't uh, expand the engine a lot. It looks like they're still working on the same engine that they built Injustice and Injustice 2 on. And the fighting still looks extremely similar. They've gotten rid of uh, the X-ray moves, though. The way they work, it's a little bit different to where now they uh, have a final blow system. Where when someone's health is below 30, you can finish them off by hitting both triggers for a final blow. Which I actually kind of like that... Um, you can use it to finish someone off, but you can't necessarily balance the fight the same way. You you know you have to use your regular moves that are at your hands. You can't just drop a super at the beginning of the fight and and wear someone down based on how much meter you had from the previous round. Yeah, I was a fa- I'm a fan of this adjustment. Even I mean I know we haven't had hands on with it yet, but just right out the gate, seeing that they've that they've tried to change the X-ray move is is big because I feel like. 
this injustice it, it all had the same issue with, with these types of moves they didn't call it an x-ray move and injustice but it's the same idea that yeah you could you fall behind and then you just would like burn burn this move whenever you wanted to try to bring yourself back into it it's like no be good at the game be good at the fighter that you chose and work yourself back into the game and then if you get the opportunity on a low health end Yes, you have this perk, mm -hmm. and it's—I it, don't know—it's it's like a—I feel like by the time you're at thirty percent health, if if you're good at this game, both both people should have the opportunity of using this ability at that point. So then it comes to trying to counter it, and then and and land land yours. So I don't know. I I definitely think this is a a better placement, a better idea than what they had before. Yeah, it's really interesting because uh, I'm curious to see how this will affect the high level of play because pros never used x-rays. They were too busy using their meter anyway. Right. And that's one of the changes to the game. In Mortal Kombat X and I believe in Mortal Kombat 9, you had one meter that did everything for you. You now have a defensive and offensive, two separate meters in Mortal Kombat 11, which I think is kind of cool. It's going gonna, it's gonna to cause you to... Maybe use your defensive, you know, whichever you favor. If you're a defensive player, it's going to force you to then go, okay, well, I have this extra set of bar. I'm going to have to use this offensively because I have it at my disposal and it's not eating up my defensive end and vice versa. So it might, it might cause people to step out of their comfort zones of what they like to use bar for. Because I would rarely use bar defensively. Yeah, I think this, okay, so adding this to what we just talked about, Netherrealm is trying to add a little bit of more strategy to their game. I think they're I think they're trying to mature Mortal Kombat a little bit when it comes to that pro scene or that high high level scene. Is that you're adding a little bit more strategy, a little bit more balance that you that you can work with, and it just it makes the game feel I don't know a little bit more grown up, a little bit more just just solid solidly designed and you're right the pro scene with these extra with these separated bars and everything um could be could lead to a lot of cool stuff so i'm excited to see it um overall gameplay looked again like i said really similar to what we had in mortal kombat x the juggling the um the the super like everything you'd expect out of mortal kombat it was all there i was i guess a little concerned walking into this game like what kind of big changes they were going to make to the essential gameplay. And no, it still feels a lot like Mortal Kombat X because I really liked Mortal Kombat X. Yeah, I think they're building off of, of a solid, you know, th their last game, which was very good. And like you said, the engine, it just it's the same engine, but maybe just slight tweaks here and there that we're going to that we're going to realize. And then um, and then, like you said, the balancing issue, the, the balancing changes with with the extra meters uh, attack and defense, the change with of r getting rid of the X-ray and kind of adding this tail end finishing move. And so for me, I think uh, overall, everything that they talked about is I don't, there's nothing negative. I don't have anything to take away where I'm concerned or worried. All of it was kind of like, okay, cool. These are all slight tweaks from a game that I already liked, and I think I'll like this more. Well, let me tell you about the, the one thing that there was a lot of chatter about leading up to Mortal Kombat 11's reveal uh, that did come true. They added, I don't know what the actual name for it was because I'm not an Injustice player, um, they added the gear system from Injustice yeah. Two, yep. where you get you earn and unlock different pieces of armor that change the look of your fighter, opposed yep. to having just a few set skins. But also they modify skills. Yep. So in Mortal Kombat X, you had three specific 
loadouts of you know different abilities that you could have, uh, different forms. And in Mortal Kombat 11, you're going to be, be able to build your own loadouts based on the gear that you equip. And it's going to change. You're going to have uh, different modifiers to the way your character actually plays, not just nerfs and buffs, but actual moves and movements and things that are uh, tools that are going to be available to you in your kit based on the armor and the, the costume that you're wearing. Uh, and I know a lot of Mortal Kombat fans specifically did not want this in the game. This is my favorite thing that they added to the game. And I'm a Mortal Kombat fan. I'm not a high-end I'm not a high-end player. I just like Mortal Kombat. But Injustice, this gear system was awesome because for me, a fighting game, I, I I'll get into a fighting game, especially if it's around an IP that I care about, like Mortal Kombat or Marvel's Capcom or whatever. And I, I, but I find myself where, because I'm not a pro player, there's, there's not a ton of replay value once I kind of get through the game and go, cool, I'm, I'm not going to get any better than the, than the point I'm at. I'm going to go play something else, right? But when I played Injustice 2, I kind of had that th- happen to me, and then my friend was like, well, have you played in the gear mode at all? And I was like, I don't even know what that is. And went into it, and I got addicted. I was like, this is awesome, because now it drives you, because you, you're earning this stuff, right? It's not just given to you. So, like, it, it caused me to play a lot more, which also developed me caused me to develop more characters than I normally would because I wanted to load them out with with arm with different pieces of gear and overall it just it loud it made me play the game more mm-hmm. and so from that standpoint I'm really excited to have this added to Mortal Kombat assuming they they do it right and I think it, like you said it it adds a bunch of cool customization to appearance and and to gameplay but I could see where like pro people aren't interested in it because it is uh it is a very it can be a very unbalanced system uh, you know like that's a, there's a lot there to balance and make a fair play you know fighting ground but overall i i personally am excited about this because of of the replay value it adds to this game yeah, I'm gonna like it a lot because it, it it gives you a reason to grind, and that's that was a big thing with the the spirits in Smash having something to constantly unlock that actually affects the game that isn't just a little yep. uh, you know like the stickers and trophies and stuff in old Smash games. I didn't care, I couldn't care at all about them, but having spirits actually interact with the way you can play the game. So being that's gonna do a similar enough thing, that's gonna cause me to grind a lot of characters. Uh, let's go over the roster real quick. Real quick, we have. Sonya Blade, who's being voiced by Ronda Rousey. Ronda was at the the L.A. portion of the event and came out and talked about, you know, how excited she was to be Sonya. So that's kind of cool because I'm a fan of Ronda Rousey. So it's cool to have a celebrity voice in the game. We're getting the face from from test. I mean, I don't I don't just don't see her as a Sonya. When you when you actually hear her voice clips, it sounds like Sonya. I mean, like it. I don't care about Sonya, but I mean yeah. overall, like whatever. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. I mean, she's just she's living her dream. Like we can let her live her dream. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, so, so I mean, Sonya. In my when I hear Sonya's voice in my head, it doesn't sound really any different than Ronda Rousey's voice. So works for works for me. Uh, Raiden is back. No surprise there. Sub Zero is back. We're not surprised. <gasps> Shocker. Uh, oh, before before we go too far into this, one of the complaints people had is the. The art style of what we were seeing in the characters at the reveal looks like a few steps back design-wise. Everything seems kind of simpler or maybe a little bit more how characters were designed a few Mortal Kombat games ago. And I, I have to assume it's because they had to design so many different 
pieces of armor that maybe you just don't get quite the detail you did in a, in Mortal Kombat X. I th- I mean I think so, but I I'm wondering if we'll see that detail. Like if you think about again the reveal back late last year, you had the one scorpion that I thought the detail was very on par with X and and heavy, and then when the second scorpion appeared with the time travel scenario, it was a more simplistic old school classic um, scorpion. So I'm wondering if a lot of the art styles we're seeing here are uh, is the fact that a lot of these characters will have the, that option um, between skins or whatever. So that's true. I don't I don't know. I'm not too worried about uh, the scale back. I, I think people might be jumping the gun on that one. Yeah, um, we'll we'll know in time. Of course, Scorpion is back. We knew that one. <laughs> Overrated. So here was one that fans wanted in the game. It's Scarlet. And I believe she was a DLC character in Mortal Kombat 9. Yep. I think that was her only appearance in the series so far. I don't think she predated. I don't remember her from Armageddon. So Scarlet's, Scarlet looks like a really, really cool character in this game. She has the power to control blood and make blood into weapons. Yeah. So there was a really cool move she was doing where she was like making blood into a scythe and like ripping through people and stabbing and like pulling their blood out of them and stabbing them with their own blood. Like I was really into what I was seeing from a moveset for Scarlet. And because my main reptile isn't confirmed, I was looking at Scarlet going, Okay, if there's no reptile, maybe Scarlet could be a character I like to play. You know, reptile been very heavily leaked though. Is it really? Yeah, from the art director. I'd have to find it because I didn't think it was going to come up. Um, I'll find it. I think it was an art director pretty much confirmed his appearance or his return to the game. I'll look it up while you're going through the rest of the roster. I think we can all assume he's been in almost every mortal since the first game. I'm not sure he's ever missed a Mortal Kombat game. Well, yeah, since his since his he like, was the secret character secret in the first character, game. Yeah. So I, you know, my assumption he's gonna be there. He's my favorite Mortal Kombat character, but you know, again, I'm, I'm not. Going I don't know. Was he in Sub Zero Mythologies? Because that's the goat. You right. He, <laughs> I'm a liar. Uh, but one of my my other favorites is back, and I'm very excited about this. Baraka, who was left out of Mortal Kombat X, is is back. The the general of the Tarkatans with his sweet blades that pop out of his arm, and he's looking more brutal and savage than ever in this game. Yeah, I think I got some video footage. Uh, I didn't get a photo of it because it was uh, we were we were on our way out. But there was a Baraka and Molina uh, cosplay. Nice. And the Molina had no face mask on, but had the had all the oh uh, yeah wow. it was, her mouth done. It was. It was uh, really well done, and but yeah, this is this is big. I when I saw this, now mind you, when the reveal happened, I was I was in on my way to Texas, I think, when it first started. And by the time I landed, I kind of got mm-hmm. I started to watch it, but I had missed the front half. But th- this had already um, this had already happened the whole Barack announcement, and um, I was like, oh man. That I has to be jumping up and down, screaming right now, because this was a big miss when when he uh, wasn't part of the um, was a previous game. Was he in X? He wasn't in X. He yeah. was in Nine. So yeah, yeah it was disappointing it was, to yeah. me that he wasn't in X. Uh, but it, you know, it's one of those things. I'm like, oh, I'm not like like I liked so many of the characters in X. It wasn't like a huge heartbreak. Yeah. But seeing him back here, I'm already really excited to play him. Yeah. So Absolutely. because I don't even know if Baraka fits into the style, my favorite style of how to play, a, a, you know, how I typically play fighting games. But what I know is I just love the character. So even if he's not the character I'm best with, I'm still going to have a great time playing. I just game. remember playing against you in nine mm-hmm. and nine. I would say I was I spent even I spent more time playing nine than I, than I did X. So, you know, my sub zero game, everything was really refined. And I hated playing against you as Baraka because you just you had that you had that just 
ground ground uh, defense, air air clear. You had a lot of things that like I had to try to get to get to you to get my combos going. That was uh, a hassle. So yeah, yeah. And I normally like to play a little bit more of a zoner. That's why I really yeah. like reptile. But if you you have to get up close, Baraka because he has the long reach from his blades, it is good. you can easily and quickly keep yeah. keep that mid range distance. We know that Shao Kahn is a pre-order bonus, and now that we know that time travel is involved in this game, I would have to imagine Shao Kahn's going to play into the story somehow. Uh, but we, you know, we don't know that for for fact. But the fact that they're making him pre-order bonus, I have to imagine you're going to have to deal with Shao Kahn at some point. And the design they have for him looks super yeah, cool. Yeah, looks really cool. Uh, and the the one new character that they showed off is Garrus, or Garrus. I think it's pronounced Garrus. He. Uh, seems to be able to control the sands of time. A lot of his stuff involves moving sand around and, and attacks uh, where he can he can make the sand into hard surfaces. He kind of looks like he's going to be um, almost a mix between Jax and Tremor. Uh, and Tremor, exactly, because yeah. he can conjure these these big hard things using sand and like rocks and stuff. But at the same time, he looks like he's he's an up close kind of grappler and brawler character. I thought he looked really cool. Yeah, and this is also the character that I believe we end up seeing at the end of the reveal trailer. No, no. not nope. The okay. I, they revealed the name of that character. Okay. Um, she they showed off the intro sequence to the to the story mode. Yeah, and she was in that. Oh, okay. Now they design wise look like they're in. They have some sort some of connection. connection. Okay, yeah, uh, but they right. they're not the same character. Yeah, all right. Yeah, he looks cool. Um, not you know again. I'm uh, I'm not sure that he's my style of uh, fighter, but he does he does uh, aesthetically look. Really cool. So. Yeah. Overall, the fatality, the, the the actual choices of the way these characters fight and move, it seems like it is a step up from what we had in Mortal Kombat X. You know, even character, I don't really like playing Sonya, but some of, you know, like there was a, a grab that she had. It's either her grab or her, her, you know, final blow move that involved her grabbing someone, running them by the back of their head into a turret that was shooting them in the face. Oh, it's yeah. like things like that. I'm like, yes, I need this immediately. So uh, the gameplay got me super excited to just dive into this in April. And uh, I don't know. I'm I'm hype. Yeah. And we uh, so they gave us what was it? Eight characters, I think. Somewhere around there. And uh, but they confirmed 25 is the roster. So who who are a couple that you would, or maybe just one, let's just pick one, one character that, you, and you can't pick Reptile assuming that he is leaked. He, uh, yeah, he's a, a list, the art director alluded that he could be one of those like assist or tag guy, like, I guess it's like an assist feature like in Marvel vs. Capcom, I'm not familiar with it, okay. but he would like come in and like throw an acid ball and then dip, so it's not confirmed that he's a fighter, but his art is in the game in some capacity. Mm -hmm. Okay. Who's like one character you would like to see added to this roster? Mine mine would be Noob. I'd like to see like an old school, you know, old school Noob, not, not uh, or I guess I would be okay seeing uh, some of the uh, cybernetic versions come back too. Yeah. For me, noob, Noob's right up there with Barack and Reptile for characters I just really think is cool. But my, uh, you know, uh, spoiler alert, if you don't want to know a key part of the story from Mortal Kombat X that came out four years ago, <laughs> uh, fast forward for a minute. I don't know what to tell you. Uh, Man, it's been four years already. Something like that. Um, because there's time travel, it gives me hope that Melina will not be dead anymore. Okay. I love Melina of, of the like women fighter. I mean, she's half Tarkatan like Baraka. So, right. uh, you know, I, I'm a bit, I love playing Melina. So I would really hope that she's uh, back. 
Tess, do you have one? Because you're a big Mortal Kombat fighter. Kenshi. Oh, Kenshi. I forgot about Kenshi. Yeah. That's who I played as. I the would last love game, Kenshi. I don't know the last game I played in. It was the one where... He was in Mortal Kombat X. That's I didn't play Mortal Kombat X, though. It was one where Shang Tsung and Quan Chi were just Deadly Alliance. running amok. Yeah, which is the fifth game. Yeah, that's the last Mortal Kombat I played, but Kenshi was who I played as. But. I like Kenshi. He's a cool character. Yeah, you guys didn't think I was going to have any name, did you? I forgot about Kenshi. Bitches, you all forgot about Kenshi. Kenshi has been, uh, has been one I've enjoyed. Bitch. Bring back mocap. Uh, I, my my wife, because uh, she was sitting next to me when the when I started watching the reveal, and she's like, "Bo Raicho's back, right? Bo Raicho. She's a Bo Raicho just fiend. She loves Bo and Raicho. yeah, she loves Bo Raicho. So if Bo Raicho makes it, we might even have we might even have Jade playing uh, Mortal Kombat 11. And she's not, and she doesn't play fighting games. <laughs> she's gonna play this one. <laughs> but yeah, all right. Well, I mean, yeah, MK11 set for uh, what's the release date on it? April twenty third. Yeah, yeah. That's gonna. It's not too far away. I'm excited. I'm very excited. I haven't been this excited for a fighting game since probably Mortal Kombat X. Yeah. Like I know I I picked up Dragon Ball Fighters uh, or Fighter Z or however you want to say it. Um, I picked. I, I was excited for Soul Calibur, which I never ended up getting, and it's just. Uh, Mortal Kombat has a special place, though. Every time one kind of spins around and, and and then we get these reveals, the hype really does build for me. And I start thinking about, like, are they going to re- re- uh, release a new arcade stick? Are they going to, like, what what are we getting with this? Uh, because I keep getting asked by the community, uh, specifically uh, Sci-Fi AJ, who's like, hey, you pre- <laughs> he sends me the pre-order for Shao Kahn, like, daily. You pre-order yet? You pre-order yet? And I'm like, no, man, I'm waiting to see, like, if they have, like, I, like, I want to see if they come out with an arcade stick bundle or a limited edition bundle. So they did reveal that at the event. Oh, I did I think they? it's GameStop exclusive, and it's like a scorpion mask is the... Ooh, that's the, cool. It, it does look really cool. I don't think, I haven't, I don't know the price on it, but I don't think it's priced out where I'm going to pay to have the scorpion mask, because probably the only thing that would have got me to get it would have been on a fight stick like they did yeah. for Mortal Kombat 9. Because they didn't do a fight stick for X. No. They they did, was it the bookends? No, the or bookends the sta- was It was nine. the statue. It was, it was sta- the scorpion, scorpion statue, statue yeah. yes. So uh, it is definitely way cooler than that scorpion statue. Yeah, because there's two scorpion statues. Here Here we had the um, like 3D printed like uh, high art style, which yeah. was cool. Um, didn't match the game, But it didn't match the game, and it was very expensive. And then, but Europe had that really cool, like just full-blown scorpion, like, badass normal statue yeah. but it never made it to america so um but yeah uh scorpion mask that's intriguing it's 300 damn dollars with a mask yeah what does the mask do turn me into scorpion i it's just a one-to-one scale scorpion mask you get a steel case and a magnet a collector's box and the premium and the premium edition which is probably worth you know 30 bucks above yeah. so it's, yeah it's a hundred dollars yeah, so you're paying 200 dollars and it doesn't look like you can wear it, it like i'm triggered you can't wear the mask <laughs> and no it looks it looks like it's more of a, a, a mask on a podium oh my god i don't foresee it being wearable next question does it say who makes the mask no Okay, then never mind. I'm 100% out. As of right now, until I learn more information, that is, there's no way. Because you you damn well know that if you really want that, just wait three months and it'll be like... 60 bucks. Yeah, exactly. Because no one's going to buy that. I thought, hasn't GameStop and these people learned by now that these crazy, outrageous... Like, you could go into GameStop and still buy Halo 5 $250 collector's editions for $49.99 because they still have them. Like, come on. This is ridiculous. There's nothing there worth that much money. Do we want to talk uh, at all about the Switch port? 
Yeah, I'll make it quick. So we found out that a company named Shiver um, is the one that's actually going to be working on the Switch port. Uh, the the company's known for one other Switch title, and with something you know, with like Panic Button out there, right, as having just a multitude <laughs> of high quality Switch ports. You'll be happy to know that Shiver worked on the 2018 Warner Brothers published title Scribble Knots Showdown. So they've got a they've got a real good uh, real good handle on the switch, um, but the company you know if you look at everybody in the company their leadership include people that worked in games like FIFA, Call of Duty, Guitar Hero, um, throughout EA, Microsoft, and Zynga. So there's there's some talent in the room, um, but at least more more confidence building is the actual producer for Mortal Kombat 11, Trevor Traub. I don't know if that's a name that's you know just like Ed Boon, but Trevor Traub. Um, he says he really likes the Switch build. He likes the Joy-Con controller more than he thought. Um, he's looking to reach as many people as possible, and so they're taking the Switch as an opportunity to do that. He did come straight out and say there are special geometry reductions that happen to make it work on the Switch. The end product is actually really realistic. I'm sorry, really fantastic. We're actually not developing in-house. It's being developed by Shiver Studios. They're developing it at the same time as we are, so it's kind of like a co-development. There is no lead skew. So it's interesting, instead of, you know, thinking that, the you know, the, the PlayStation and the Xbox one is like the main lead design of the game, and then it's just going to get, you know, copy and pasted to Switch. That doesn't seem to be what's happening here. Obviously, there's one studio that's probably putting more work and more effort into it, than sh- and it's not Shiver. Um, but he also he concludes by saying, I can't wait to play it on Xbox, but I will absolutely have it on I have a Switch version too for practice. So I, I, I'm hopeful. I'm not a day one buyer of this. Um, I'm not a $60 buyer of this. This is probably, you know, a four, $30, $40 digital pickup for me because I'm not, as of right now, a huge fighting game guy. But at least it's they're trying. It's still not as good as NetherRealm making it for the Switch themselves. But at least it's at least they're trying. I just think this is common practice with any of these games that would be considered highly ambitious ports they every company has their uh, a second they're outsourcing all of this work i know panic button is the famous company that's been doing it for you know uh they did it for bethesda they did it for psionics for rocket league but it's commonplace because i imagine it takes a lot of work to be able to make the port work yeah and i get that you have to choose a platform to develop this your game on uh, and and for for a game like Mortal Kombat, you're probably not going to pick the Switch to be that primary platform, um, since what you're trying to target, especially beyond just um, you know consumer level buyers, you're also worried about the pro scene and everything. Um, but I I am kind of at this point now where this story is another story of a new game being developed that is that the port is just kind of being pushed off to the side. I would rather see NetherRealm launch like a side team and say hey uh, NetherRealm Switch is a small group that we have developed that is going to be doing the port for us like I, I like I would like to see more companies keep it in house and I get that maybe NetherRealm has never done it so so their their expertise on it isn't isn't that great but you're also NetherRealm and I have a lot of you know, trust in you when it comes to your game. So the last thing I want is to buy this on, say, the PS4, enjoy it a lot, and like Tess said, when it goes on sale on the Switch, buy a second copy so I can practice on the go, play at lunch, you know, with Deadite, and uh, it be a completely different experience and a less 
enjoyable experience because we get something like, uh, you know, I hate to break it, throw it out there again to to boil your blood, but WWE 2K18 or or any other port that we've seen come to Switch that has just been half-assed. And I'm and at the same time, the company that they've chose to work with is not a company that I have a whole lot of faith in when it comes to making a great port to the Switch. Because there is right now only one that you really can look at, and you've already named them, uh, Panic uh, Button. It's really ambitious, but I would hope that the full resources of this studio is being put into porting this, or making the build of this game, because it's a whole separate build, uh, but, it, you know, they're all using the same engine and everything, so I would hope the, the we're getting the full resources of this studio opposed to a small branch-off team of NetherRealm. So there may be more eyeballs and more care being taken by this company because this is a big shot for them. This is their shot to prove themselves to be the next panic button, to get more work. And if they don't deliver on this, they'll be done. It's it's a high pressure situation for them. I guess to me, I guess my point being is that with as popular as the Switch is is now, why haven't they had other opportunities? Could because be, could because, be a young studio. Because Panic Button is already swamped, yeah. and and other companies are doing it. So why have you only really grabbed Scribble Knots? You know, like so to me, it's like a game like this. I, I, this this is an unfair judgment on them because it's Mortal Kombat. You're messing with a franchise that I care about. If this was Street Fighter, I'd be like, cool, give them a chance. But it's Mortal Kombat, <laughs> and I and I care about it. So the last thing I want to see is is a is a failure on the Switch side that you know never really gets fixed because there's so many just issues with it. Um, you know, because you're playing out the very real scenario that was WWE 2K on the Switch. It was uh, ported by uh, Flying Squirrel or some trash studio. Did an awful <laughs> job with it. Continue, you know, 2K continued to tell me they were going to fix the game. They never did. It's still an unplayable pile of garbage. I would be devastated. Even though I'm not buying Mortal Kombat Day 1 on the Switch, I'd be devastated if that happened to a game that I love, knowing that it's going to do wrong by the fans that, that did buy into it, and also I won't ever be able to buy and play it. So I want it to be super successful on the Switch so it can be my second version I buy when it's on sale. Yeah. Though I think we have reason to be uh, uh the, the another cautious yeah another point to be made though and correct me if i'm wrong 2k19 didn't come out on the switch correct because they couldn't do it yeah and they locked all the forums like the on the 2k forums for 2k18 yeah. for switch they like locked all the forums so you couldn't even comment the forums disappeared and then they're like yeah, yeah. it's not even coming to switch so like i mean so that's there's that point too is that you know if someone does a bad enough job this is your own this would be the only shot of mortal kombat coming to the Switch, which then scares NetherRealm from future endeavors with handheld devices uh, and, and so on. So I, I just, we don't know yet, and I'm not going to sit here and say that they're doomed, but it definitely has me concerned. I'm, 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 a little, I'm a little worried about it. So I'm cautiously optimistic because if, I, if, it, if it isn't good on Switch, I mean, I wasn't planning on buying it anyway. So it's not yeah. a day one issue for me. There'd even be a little bit of time for them to fix the patchwork on it. I really want it to be great, but I know that I'm going to enjoy the game on PlayStation first, and I will uh, just take it from there. All right. All right. Well, our last topic of the show is going to be covering PAX South 2019, San Antonio, Texas. Jazzy Fiddle and I uh, went for the whole weekend, and uh, we got to go for the first time ever as media slash press. 
and we really uh, we really got to go down there and and spread the word of Gamezilla, get some get some insider information, and just have a good time throughout the whole weekend. Uh, first thing I will say is PAX is a very special event. It is full of gamers and just fans. It's not all industry. So if you're looking to find a convention that you can go have an amazing weekend and every hotel lobby, every bar you go into, you can continue nerding out about video games, playing your Switch. I mean, there was Nintendo Switch everywhere. Um, this is this is that type of event that you can go to. PAX South is always uh, during uh, January. You got PAX East in Boston. You got PAX West in Seattle. And uh, East is usually around that March-April time. Seattle is around that sep- beginning of September. So if you're looking for something fun and you have that you have that extra time off work, consider a PAX convention if you're a gamer. If you're not a gamer, why do you even listen to this show? All right. My first topic of PAX is the, the big draw of PAX South 2019. PlayStation was there, and they brought Days Gone, a uh, zombie survival horror game that uh, we have seen a lot of from Ben Studios, and we've seen several delays, multiple E3s, and we kind of wondered if this game was ever going to come out, and then we found out l- late last year that indeed it is coming out 2019, Later, uh, middle middle of this year, or a little little bit before that. So, we um, we got to play the game. That was the first thing we kind of went to because we figured that was going to be the line that gets capped during normal normal hours. So during our press time that we got before the, the event opened to the public, we went to PlayStation and walked right in. And the uh, the event the, the their booth was amazing. It was all done up like a fort, you know, like a um. <laughs> half-ass put-together fort that was just holding all these zombies out. You had a bunch of dead zombies that were hanging from ropes. You had uh, Deadite's favorite zombie bear. Man, it's awesome. Yep, it was a full-size zombie bear that you could sit on a, a motorcycle in front of and get a photo op done. And so you get in, they uh, they take you up to the system, and you can play two modes. You can basically play a horde survival mode or, like, a stealth mode. You had two options. So Jazzy played one, I played the other, and I played the uh, horde mode. So you kind of start off on this cliff, and there's just, you can see what looks like, I don't know, thousand zombies kind of in this pit, just moving around like water almost. And you're like, oh, man. So you get to go around and kind of set up using your different op- different tools, some like booby traps, and then the second that you catch their attention, they come at you. And the first thing I can say about Days Gone, it is a brutal game that is very unforgiving, and you better have a good strategy or you will not survive. And so that was the first thing I took away, was this kind of has that, that feel of Dark Souls as far as how difficult it can be but once you realize what you need to do uh, you can really start to kind of control this this over what seems to be an overwhelming force so once I started learning like oh I have these uh, proximity mines I have um, distraction bombs I have rocks for God's sakes that can actually play that can help me uh, I started using all of that and tried started to funnel them through a like uh, valley so that they couldn't because that's the other thing I was impressed with AI would start to swarm me so they would take different ways to kind of surround me and then press in on me and I was just I was done so once I could figure out how to kind of tunnel them I was sitting there just using slow motion time and just 
killing hundreds of zombies, and then I would have to reload. I'd run through like a through like a truck um, storage unit, and one of the doors would be partially closed, so I'd have to like kind of uh, squeeze my way through, which would slow the zombies down, so I could turn around and then start um, shooting some of them before they started coming through the other side. I will say, in a third-person chaotic, it uh, it felt okay. Um, I did, this 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 demo did not make me a day one buyer. Um, I still don't really feel like Days Gone is going to be that uh, unexpected new IP that's going to blow up. But I think it'll hold over the fans of the zombie genre until they can get their hands on things. And I know they're not zombies, but until they can get their hands on games like The Last of Us 2 or whatever um, that, uh, that are going to be better than this. But it was fun. I, I don't you know. And talking with Jazzy about his stealth side, he completed his as well. And he said, you know, it was I knew what to do because it was very similar to other stealth missions that he's played in other games. But it didn't wow him either. Um, and I feel like the, the word through PAX was, yeah, Days Gone's here. You know, it's a zombie game. And, and, that, and that's about it. Like it wasn't people weren't just screaming about it or like getting out of line and getting back in line like uh say breath of the wild when we were there mm. a couple years ago and it was like some people just lived in the switch line um it wasn't like that so i don't want to dog on it but I, but it didn't it didn't improve its its uh appeal to me at all but something that did was the uh, Astro C40. So if you're not familiar with the Astro C40, it is the new PS4 PC controller that headset creator Astro is making and uh, releasing here in the next couple months. So every single one of their booths had a prototype Astro C40 connected to it. So if you wanted to try to play anything from Rocket League to Call of Duty to Fortnite and... Um, the only one they didn't have, obviously, was Smash Brothers. They, they did have a booth set up there, and you're not going to use it there. But um, we got to play all of those. So I played Call of Duty. I played Fortnite, uh, Rocket League, and even uh, even we even played uh, a little bit of Street Fighter just, just to see what the controller felt like. And each one would have a different... I got to give you a copy of Street Fighter back. You don't have to. Uh, each... each Station had it uh, configured differently because the cool thing about this controller is it's modular. So uh, it's not so if you like both your joysticks uh, like a DualShock Four next to each other, you can do that. But at the same time, if you want to pull that entire component out and move it like an Xbox controller offset, you can do that and swap it with a D-pad. And so that that adjustment was interesting because we got to try it both ways. Uh, Jazzy likes the PlayStation style. I'm a fan of the offset. And playing them both, they both felt good, but the but playing Offset and playing uh, Call of Duty Blackout was really nice. The paddles on the back are buttons. They're big, like like a big uh, think of like your enter button on on a computer, and kind of just bend it where it slightly goes around, and that's it. Just one on each side. So. Okay. Paddles. Question for you about the feel of the buttons. Does it have a click more like a micro switch, or does it feel more like a space bar? Does it have you know like actual larger movement to it, or is it a fine click? It's a pretty short throw on it, but it, but I would say it's more space bar ish. Like, and it's not like um. Or is it like a regular face button? Like a regular face button, but big. Okay. Yeah, and so 
Um, th- but it's interesting because it's it is a button built into the bottom. It's not like a paddle with a little nub that's at, that's hitting a button underneath it. It's just a button built right in. Uh, the trigger stops um, where you could turn them on or off, just like on a Xbox Elite controller. And um, the joysticks felt pretty good. I will say overall, the the controller felt kind of cheap in a way, but I'm also holding a prototype. I don't know, you know, the, the big thing they're saying is this is not the final version. This is not the final version. So, And part of this is you're comparing it to, a, it's called the Scuff Vantage. Is that what that one was called? That was my last one. Okay, I, yeah. and, you, and you, you have that base of that was the last Sony premium controller that I know you weren't really thrilled with. Yeah, no, I, I had some major problems with it and ended up returning it after exchanging it three times. So big issues with that controller. This controller is feels great and all the firmware adjustments are going to are already ready for it so if you wanted to change like the dead zones and stuff like that you could do that on the prototypes so they already have that part figured out which scuff didn't and that was the problem that was one of the major issues with the scuff but um the this controller felt really good responsive the the trigger pull the the trigger shortening the trigger pulls felt good being able to toggle them off is important though for games like say i don't know i I kept pulling destiny because that's the one i had experience with where I would have those trigger stops that were permanent on my controller, so my Sparrow, I could only go half speed. And so it really kind of hindered other games. You could not use this controller for, say, Spider-Man because it, you couldn't pull the trigger enough to, to do the move that you needed to do with, with it. So here you could turn them off, just like the Xbox Elite controller. Um, it weight-wise felt pretty good, and uh, you can do it wired or Bluetooth, everything. Uh, it has two profiles uh, that you can that save to the controller, so you can switch it uh, from one one to the other without having to do anything software related anywhere but on the controller. And that's you know it's got a little bit of memory that you can flash those uh, configurations to. But uh, I really liked it. It I'm interested to see what the final version is. That made me like I wanted this controller. This, once I gave up on the scuff. I, I and the C40 got announced. I was very excited. This sold me. Like being able to use it, I go, "Yep, this is the controller I want." And mind you, there were other controller companies at the convention that had some cool ideas. Nothing moved me away from saying, "I'm going to wait two months and I'm going to buy myself an Astro C40." Do you know what the retail price is going to be on that? I believe it's one ninety nine. It's like one seventy nine or one ninety nine. It's like right in that range, right around that two hundred dollar range. It's not cheap, and that's the one thing that kind of that kind of scared me with the feel of the controller. But again, I was told, uh, I was told by the people at the booth that this these are pre, uh, you know uh, prototypes and that this is not the final version. Um, so. I don't know if that means like the plastic quality or whatever will feel better or if some of this plastic actually won't be plastic. But the one thing I could tell right out the gate was that the joysticks on these felt a little cheap, you know, and so that was the only thing. And they they had the replaceable tops, you know, for the different lengths and all that stuff. But overall, it's just like, yes, it feels good. It's working well on the game. And, uh, you know, the, one of the cool things that the Astro Booth was doing was if you played Blackout, and you won, uh, dropped in and played solo, and you won. They went into the booth, they pulled a three hundred dollar headset out, and they gave it to you. So you Straight and J- you and Jazzy got new headsets, right? No, we didn't. All that time you played COD, you couldn't <sighs> win a you couldn't win a headset for the studio. No, I watched someone win one though. They and, and I asked the guy that had been they've been you know hanging out around us, and he's like, yeah, uh, we've given three away. So they've done three in the whole, and that was uh, that was on that was Sunday. So the whole weekend they've had three winners. 
And, you know, part of it is, is that um, blackout, like a lot of it, you, you really need to focus on audio. And the, the convention floor is so damn noisy that even with the headsets on that you're using and you're using Astro headsets and you can crank them up, it still is difficult to like to uh, filter out everything going on around you and really dive into this game. But a couple people did it. Like I said, I, I watched someone win the new, um, I call them the Optimus Prime headset, but they're the TR, uh, the A. A40TRs, but they're done in like a like a navy blue and bright red, and they looked really sharp. So, um, but it was cool that they were doing that. Astro was uh, just one of the best booths that we've been to, uh, just because they had a lot of cool competitions. The uh, workers there were super knowledgeable about the product, and 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 willing to sit and spend time and talk about them. So it was cool. Even I even had a problem. I actually had one of the controllers kind of go. Uh, wonky on me with the joystick, the left joystick stop. Um, it wouldn't let me sprint, and it wouldn't let me um, move full speed forward. So I pulled one of the guys over, and he's like, "Okay, well these are prototype. Um, we, this this problem kind of came up right around the time that um, when we got here, we didn't know we didn't know about this problem. So we just you reset it, it fixes it, but this problem will be worked out before the the real version comes along type deal. So they were even kind of being like transparent and just forward with with the with what they've found during using these prototype issues so pretty cool um but besides that i would say that's the controller to keep an eye on if you're looking for a pro pro style controller for the ps4 slash pc and um we got our hands on it and we were pretty impressed my next piece of pax would be the indie scene there pax is a huge platform for indie gamers indie developers and i will say this pax had a lot of cool options from from cell shaded 2d platformers to four player um four player couch co-op or couch competition style games there was a lot of cool stuff there and pretty much everybody that we walked up to they were very willing to talk about their game they wanted to they wanted you to play it obviously but they also wanted to talk about you know how they were developing it and how long it took they were they were really um upfront with with a lot of their answers but one company that i wanted to uh really take a moment and talk about was um or not company sorry game what and I'm pulling up my email real quick just to remind myself, but it was a uh, four-player game that reminded me a ton of Towerfall Ascension. Ooh, yeah. And so what happened here? And I, for life of me, can't find this uh, this email. So that's super cool. But we're just oh, you know what? I uh, found it. Warped Core. So that's uh, Warped Core Studios. And the game was called Aqua Lungers. Okay, the concept was and it was a four-player, four-screen split, four controllers, and we hopped in. It's available early access on Steam right now, and you basically play as a scuba diver. Okay, two D scuba diver, and you see a bunch of like piranhas and like evil octopus and stuff like that in the water, and there's a couple sunken ships at the bottom. And four of you dive down, and you all have your own treasure chests up top. You go down, and you try to collect, you try to collect gold and, and treasure. But you can hit each other, and as you hit each other, 
you um, will cause them to drop some of their gold. And you collect it, and then you try to get back to the top and deposit it to your section, mm. and you raise, you know, first one to 3,000 wins, right? So I'm down there, and I'm noticing I can kind of uh, poke people with my with like my spear gun or whatever, and gather some of their gold, and then I would sw- and then all the piranhas and stuff would would swarm one ship, so I'd swim to the other ship, and I end up winning. Like I had three thousand, I think the next closest person had twelve hundred, because I'd watched the, a round before that, and I was like, okay, I have a strategy going into this. And it was Jazzy myself, and then two random people. But I remember, so I finished the game, and I had a lot of fun. I was like, this was cool. I could see this being a really fun just couch co op. Uh, streaming, you know, streaming with uh, with people online um, would be would be a lot of fun. And um, I finish the game. I, I step away, and the developer comes up to me, uh, Diego, and I um, talking to him. I'm like, man, this game reminds me a ton of Towerfall Ascension. And he smiles and shakes his head. He goes, oh yeah, we've played a lot of Towerfall Ascension. And I was like, oh, cool, cool. And so we we got talking about his game and everything. And one of the big questions was like, so is this coming to the Switch? Because I could see this being a very popular Switch game, especially local LAN WAN parties and and maybe even some online function. And he's like, it's a goal, but it's not a plan. And he's like, Mm. he goes, I'm trying to get the game launched so that hopefully they will respond to my emails. And I was like, oh, okay. And so we got into the, conver- the conversation that because the Switch has gotten so popular that Nintendo has not been as receptive to responding to indie developers um, because they're getting so many requests. And so that's one thing, that's one struggle that he particularly has had with the Switch is getting Nintendo to actually even acknowledge him. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. You know, I know last year everyone was excited to try to get to the Switch. And I think now people are starting, a lot of these people have had some difficulty getting even acknowledged by Nintendo. So it's a super fun game. If you're on PC, early access, uh, Aqua Lungers, it's a, it's fun. It's simple and fun. And like I said, reminded me a ton of a couple of um, Towerfall, which is a game that we've all put a ton of time into and really enjoyed. So... But other than that, you know, we've uh, we got to we got to talk with app developers for mobile games. Uh, we 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 played around with some AR technology, some VR technology, and there's just so much out there. I think the big thing I really liked seeing at PAX South this year, and I'm I've been seeing growth in this area, is charity and just creative ideas for for uh, disabilities and, and other things. And one we we ran into Critical Role. Um, um, th- there at Pack South, and they were. Am, am I saying that right? What's the What's the podcast name? I thought it was Critical Role. Yeah, I mean so that's that's their show. So it's not. Oh, sorry. Critical Role is the show. I mi- I'm sorry. I misspoke. It's Critical Core. Okay, and that and we saw that and we thought Critical Role. That's so that's why I'm getting confused. Critical Core is a group that's working with ch- with a with a charity. Um, that they're building these these card games, these decks that help teach um, kids with autism through a gaming apparatus, so through a card game. And so they were explaining it to us, and like, that's the first, that's the first deck, but we're going to release other decks that will teach with other disabilities. 
And that way we can teach things like math and science and things like that through a card game. And I guess from their testing, people, they're just more, they're more connected, they're more into it. And, um, and they retain the information better by being more interactive with, through, through something like a game. And we've seen it digitally too, but that was really cool talking with them. And we met, uh, we met the two people there that, that are like creating all this. <laughs> Um, so we're hoping to, they were willing to do an interview. So we're hoping to bring them on the show here soon for them to talk about it. But also the um, evil controllers was there. And, and we've all heard of evil controllers. They used to sell them at Best Buy for a long time. I never realized, you know, um, the I never really realized the size of evil controllers. They're smaller than I, I expected. But I met the owner of evil controllers, Adam. And uh he was showing off the controller and everything and, and how far along these, they, they've come. But it wasn't until the last thing he showed me that I really kind of dove in and wanted to get Adam on to the podcast here eventually. And he pulled out an Xbox One controller, and it, something was really weird about this controller. It was missing a joystick, and it had a custom cap where the left joystick should be. And then there was a hole drilled at the bottom of the, of the controller and this cord that came out into this weird, like, pyramid-looking device that he would put in the palm of his hand that had a joystick attached to it. And it's for one-handed gamers. So he showed how a one-handed gamer would hold this on top of the other joystick. And by moving the, the overall pyramid, he could move the joystick on the bottom, and then he could move the joystick on the top, and he'd have access to both joysticks with one hand. What? Yeah. And so I, I ha- I'd have to see we got, and we that got, to understand because yeah, that doesn't video, make any yeah. sense to me. But that sounds like that's incredible. Yeah, we have video and and photos of of that device. So was the pyramid thing like because it was smaller, you could make the more fine movements Correct. with that, but then make larger. Okay, now yeah. that's yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, it was really wild. He showed it to us, and we're, we're like, that is super cool. Uh, and so and they're like, yeah, we're we're working in this this area where we can develop things for. Uh, you know, people for many people with different disabilities, and he went on to tell us that he just made a controller for someone that has has no arms, no legs, and they built this custom controller that he holds with his chin, and actually controls the game with his with his shoulders, with his collarbones, and and plays shooters, and I was like, and you know, and and then the response was. Humans can, are are capable of amazing things, right? So it, the having that conversation with them was something that I didn't expect coming out of just this what we, what we typically know as a pro controller maker with with pro buttons on the bottom of their controller. Here's this whole other avenue that doesn't necessarily get the you know time of day um, like everything else does in this in this industry. So, but we saw a lot of that there, and that was super cool. Um, and we we got we've networked with them all, so hopefully we'll get them on the show for them to talk more about it, and, and more in depth. They can explain it better than I could. So, but yeah, th- those were some of my favorite like indie scenes. Seeing that stuff really kind of get some um, some shed some some good exposure onto it. Now, <coughs> excuse me, the uh, the Pack South event overall. Uh, we did. We did have some some things we wanted to discuss, and Jazzy couldn't be here today, so he made sure to text me and say, "Hey, make sure you cover this." So, Pack South overall was a lot smaller than uh, it has been, and that that's a concern uh, as far as the health of the show. But you were missing people like Nintendo, Microsoft wasn't really there. Yes, they had a mixer booth, but their their Crackdown Three, they had this giant Crackdown Three like 
booth, and you could. And this game comes out February fifteenth or whatever. You couldn't even play. The Crackdown three wasn't even playable. It was just a, it was a photo op, and then a vending machine to see if you could win a Game Pass or, or Xbox Live. There was no Microsoft beyond that. So, no Logitech, no HyperX, no no DX Racer, no Secret Labs, no like nobody. There were so many missing vendors that it's concerning as to why, and it led to less foot traffic. Uh, as far as a lot of the Uber drivers that um, you know depend on these type of conventions, they they were saying they've been told numbers are very are way down, and because of that, the show was smaller, right? So everything was kind of packed in more in a smaller spot of the convention hall, um, which led to Saturday being unbearable, where it, where the entire show gridlocked. It wasn't segments of the show. The entire floor pretty much gridlocked on Saturday to the point where we left. We were like, this is, we're not going to get anything done. This is, this is a disaster. We'll come back Sunday when it's a little bit, little bit easier going. Um, now, the show was still good. There was plenty of, there was plenty of highlights to be, to be had. But the media pass side of it, which we were very excited about, we compared it to PAX East because we've had we've had friends that have had it uh, had media access at PAX East. We've tried to gain media access at East, and so we were very excited, thinking that we were going to get something similar. But it was completely different. We got that early access Friday morning, and that was it. There was no more early access after that. We're East. Your early access is every day. And That's, so, so you're saying there was only one <laughs> day of early access. Correct. Yeah. And how early could you get in? One hour. So the media, I mean, it's, it's great that they they invited you and Jazzy to the show. You didn't have to pay to get in, but your media time, it was on one hour for the whole weekend is not a lot of time to get work done. No, it gave us enough time to go hit about three major booths and, and get some things out of the way. And then after that, the public was in. And so we're like, oh, well, we'll you know, we'll, we'll hit. We started planning what we were going to do Saturday morning. Uh, and that's when we found out we don't get early access and so we're like okay well we'll still get there early because we'll go through the media we go through the, the other advantage was you go through the media line not the general mission line which was wrapped around the building saturday we get there and they're like oh the media line was only for friday you have to go through the general line now so we had to wait through the line that wrapped around the building to get into the to the route to the show and we're like okay so why do you give away all these media badges, which have value to them, you know, you're you're basically allowing, you know, Jazzy and I just two two of however many you gave out, of uh, eighty five dollar weekend badges, <coughs> uh, because we are going to generate content. We are sharing your your show and all, all and all these vendors' products and services, and you're basically sticking us in the back of the line where we can't we can't really do the job that you're that you were wanted us to do, and so. It was a little disappointing. Uh, there's still benefits, like you said. We got we got access to the whole weekend for no cost to us, and then we um, we had access to a media room, which was our own private. Well, not our own private, but a media room. The only media could go into with lockers, water, you know, stuff like that. So um, it was a place for us to go and work on content if we wanted to take a break and, and get some stuff posted. But overall, I just thought when you compare it to PAX East. PAX East being your biggest show now, overall, wouldn't you want 
the success of PAX East to be the same everywhere. Like you'd want PAX South to be as successful as PAX East, and you're not copying your your business plan. You're not copying what you do there at South, and that to me is just it doesn't make any sense. So we were disappointed. We didn't get we didn't get the time that we thought we were going to get. We made use of the time that we had because we wouldn't have played Days Gone if it wasn't for that access. I wasn't going to wait in that line to play a game that I'm not that excited for. Right? So, and we wouldn't have had as easy access to the Astro C40 prototype if it wasn't for that. So, again, it's it was helpful, but I, but why only one day? And the and the answers we got were really kind of lackluster as far as, oh, well, we can't reset the show to be a brand new show, so that's why we can't give you early access. I was like, I don't need it to be a brand new show. I just want an hour before. Media should have an hour before each day so that we can plan out because an hour is not enough time to cover the whole, sh- the whole con. So if I'm going to go hit PlayStation, Astro, and um, what was the third one we did on the first day? It was PlayStation, Astro, and Bandai Namco because uh, they were doing Ace Combat 7 and Jump Force. Well, then the next day it was like, well, I want to I talk to Devolver Digital because they had a couple games there, that were, and I want to talk to Tiny Build, and I, but like, but I, but I didn't get that time. So then, when I tried to go do that on the normal, their booth is swarmed, right? So like, yeah, I got some time, but I didn't have the time nor the noise control if I wanted to record anything locally that that uh, you know was useful. So we just we networked, we exchanged cards, and now we talk after, right? And that's fine, but sometimes. That, that talk after doesn't happen where you can get that information there and now uh, at the con. So I don't know. I think it's a big miss for them. I think uh, I'm curious why some of the big vendors are missing. And I think in its fifth year is, is where we're at right now. Uh, I think this is its fifth year. It's the youngest of the shows and, and showing decline already is kind of a concern for a desirable location, a decent convention center, with plenty of things to do around there, you're, you're set up in a very good location. Why are you having problems? Is it the timing of the year where there's not a whole lot to talk about? What is it? You know, because two years ago, yes, you had the Switch, and that was the first time anybody could hold the Switch was back south. So, you you know, you had that boom, but then how do you maintain it, right? And you didn't. And that's that's the that's the concern we had, so... I won't say I, I'm not going to say I wouldn't go back to Pack South, but I there are definitely opportunities to be had um, with with a lot of a lot of those things, and we didn't, and I'm not even going into the fact that once again they didn't have the merch to support the foot traffic, even though the foot traffic was down, they still didn't have the merch to support the foot traffic where things were selling out, people were getting upset, and and you know that's unfortunate. Like we saw this simplistic shirt that just said Packs, and the words were made out of pizza. And, uh, of course, so my wife was like, oh, she didn't go, right? She just explored the city all weekend. She's like, hey, grab me one of those shirts. I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I will. And the shirts were sold out. And I was like, really? The pizza shirts are sold out? And so I'm like, well, can I get one from the other, you know, from the outside booth? They're like, oh, no, they're sold out too. And I'm just like, like, it's Saturday. You have a whole other day. Like, what do you what do you mean You're, the shirt's sold out? I'm like, all right, well, I guess she's not getting a shirt. And I ended up finding her some Corgi Gamer stuff, which was... Th- you know, even better, actually. Even better, actually. But, um, but yeah, I was just kind of disappointed in some of some of that. Um, even even the uh, packs, which is very which is known for 
um, the indie or the sorry the tabletop side I thought was like half the size of what Pack South. And again, I'm just comparing Pack South to itself. Half the size of what it was. This is your third Pack South, right? Correct. Yeah, it was much smaller. And so, like, the, the learning zones, like, yeah, you could learn Magic, you could learn the Transformers game, and there were a couple other, like, board games you could learn, but that was it. And we're, like, two years ago, I could go on and I could learn. There had to be had to be 40, 50 games that you could just walk up and be like, can you show me how to play this? And then turn around and go buy it. And, like, that wasn't there. The eSports arena was smaller. G Fuel, which is uh, usually has a has a big um, presence in the gaming convention, was like stuffed in the corner over by the um, by the Geico game um, the Geico Arena, which like sucked because if you don't walk over there to watch, and this is the other thing the 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 Geico Arena has always been this giant arena that plays like Rocket League, Hearthstone, FIFA, PUBG, like all this stuff. Right, the whole weekend was just PUBG. If you didn't care about PUBG, you weren't going over in that corner. If you didn't go over in that corner, I didn't even know G Fuel was like. Tess was like, "Hey, if G Fuel's there, let me let me know if they have anything." And I was like, "I don't think." I'm like, "Man, I don't think G Fuel's there." And then I looked at the vendor list and I saw them. I'm like, "Where?" I had to pull a map up to find them. Like that's not good, considering the show is quite small. And so I'll have um, I, I have some video from second floor up above to kind of pan the whole floor so you can see the size. And it's just it's disappointing because it, it definitely was I'd say twenty to thirty percent reduction in in f- the show floor where there's just dead space to one side or the other, and um, you know, and that's a shame because you said it's too crowded. So yeah. you'd think they'd even be able to expand in the space they had exactly to not feel like you're stepping on each exactly. other. So that that's unfortunate. That's the kind of stuff that honestly would keep me away from a convention because the last convention I went to was. The awful Motor City Comic Con oh, we God, have here yeah. uh, three years ago. And I said, I'm never going back because I didn't have room to walk after we were there for an hour and a half. It was too full. So knowing that PAX South could get like that really would make me think maybe if I were going to go to a PAX, it'd either be East or West. It's, it, your story's already deterring me from wanting to go to South. Yeah. And East and West are definitely a superior show. Um, it's just, I think South had that, has potential. If they really just invest into it because of the nicer weather in, in, you know, and I know not everybody deals with winter like we do in January, but here in Michigan, it's nice to get away. Okay. You guys were dealing with negative temperatures. I was sitting in 70 degrees. It's nice. Um, But at the same time, it's just like, it's, it's a, it's a good location and the convention can support a lot. It is a big convention that could grow. And that's what I thought would happen. But we're not seeing it, and so I don't know why. But with all that said, we still had a good time. There were still a lot of cool things to see. But, uh, yeah, it definitely makes me – I wasn't sure if I was going to go to PAX East this year, right? Because I was like, well, it's only a couple months after PAX South. Now I'm like, I'm probably going to go to PAX East because I really didn't get the experience I thought I was going to get at PAX South. So. But that's my thoughts on Pax, uh, my and and Jazzy's, even though he's not here. Um, and then that's our news for today. So for these topics and much more, you can visit our website, GameZillaMedia.com, where we have our blog and everything else uh, that you can absorb that gaming content right from our site. I will be uh, working on some of that video that I took and stuff and getting that up as well on our YouTube channel and uh, GameZilla Media there as well. So... 
uh, that that's our tack on the news, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna move into must or bust. In concert, they would fight this evil in a duel to the death. This war was an all-out effort whose ultimate purpose was to save our planet from total destruction. Must or bust. All right, a real quick must or bust this week. We just wanted to talk about games that are coming out and uh the first up would be smite for the nintendo switch january 24th um this is a bust for me i just have not been able to get into smite as a a moba option it is cool that it's coming to the switch i just uh we'll see how it play how it works on the switch um mobas work the best for me on pc i i haven't really enjoyed a ton of them uh, arena of valor was okay on the switch but again uh, it just didn't it didn't have staying power with me so we'll see uh, but smite's coming out that'll that'll be interesting resident evil 2 is uh, hitting the xbox one the ps4 and the pc january 25th this is the remake of course that uh, looks really cool if you haven't played the demos that are available uh right now it is uh it is a masterpiece that capcom has done here if you're a fan of that resident evil series does it still have tank controls Tank controls. Are you talking about how you control yeah, the, the character? No, it's 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 a it's much more modern. Yeah, Maybe yeah. I'd actually like it because I had a hard time playing classic Resident Evil games because the controls. Yeah, no, this plays much like a, a newer Resident Evil. Like, I, I don't want to necessarily Resident Evil Six because that was such a disaster. But think of it like a Resident Evil Four, Resident Evil Five. Cool. You know, more more updated. I'll have to keep my eye on that one. Yeah, um, and then Kingdom Hearts Three. This one snuck up on me personally. I feel like we just not that long ago were complaining about this game never coming out, right? Like, I, I actually, when I looked at this list before we started recording, I'm like, guys, is Kingdom Hearts 3 really coming out this month? So uh, January 25th, PS4, Xbox One, Kingdom Hearts 3. Uh, bust for me. I, 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 there's nothing here in this. In this uh, surprisingly, I like Disney and and Square Enix and, and the whole Final Fantasy world isn't bad, but... I just have no interest in playing this game. I don't like Square Enix. I do like Disney. I've never played a Kingdom Hearts game, and I don't plan on starting here. I'd rent it if I had a system to play it on. The thing about Kingdom Hearts, like a couple times when these games came out, I would see like one world. Yeah. Right? It's one world I want to play, be it like a Tron world, or this one has the Wreck-It Ralph world or something. Toy Story, I think it has the Toy Story world. Yeah. Yeah. So like... It's that. It's like I really only care about that world. Everything else, I'm like, meh, whatever. I, I'm, I'm not. I don't follow the IP enough to even really care that the third one's coming out. I know many people are. It's just a bust for me personally. So, and I think that's it. Did I miss one uh, that um, that you were looking forward to test? I think so. Yeah, I think I missed one. It was called Hong Kong Massacre. You're really excited for that one? That's a big old bird bust for me. <laughs> the Long Dong Massacre. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Dad. I... That's, uh... Yeah! <laughs> That's it for Muster Bust. So uh, we'll have some more exciting weeks coming up here with, with bigger bigger releases. But Resident Evil 2, Kingdom Hearts 3, Smite, all, all coming out this week. Um, you can always chime in the gameslovemedia.com for more info on that stuff and join the Discord. Tess, thanks for bringing Bird Bust back. I'll never forget. The FBI has just sent a letter to Gaze informing them that they have discovered new emails. Downloading emails from gamezillamedia.com. Download.
Man, I got logged out of the email, so I hope I can remember the password on the fly. I'm getting back in. I'm about to read an email that was written by a fan of this show. And if you want your emails read and answered right here, send your questions into info at GameZillaMedia.com, where we pick uh, usually one or two fan emails per week to uh, read and discuss here on the show. Again, it's info at GameZillaMedia.com. For your shot at having your questions answered by this illustrious panel of gaming fools. This is from our friend Spuds. What up, Gamezilla dudes? Hope PAX was great. I am currently working at the Detroit Auto Show, so I have a question. With fictional video game car, oh, which fictional video game car would you guys drive and how would you wreck it? From your third Rocket League teammate, EA Spuds. <laughs> hmm. A car. Man. Wait, I'll give you a second to think. Yeah. I'll answer for Jazzy. Is it the ice cream truck from Twisted Metal? Sweet Tooth ice cream <laughs> truck is what Jazzy would say. Because we know Jazzy 100%. loves Twisted Metal. That's so why I feel like we've answered this before in some capacity. Because the answer went right to the ice cream truck from Twisted Metal yeah. for Jazzy. The answer to form. Man. A video game car. I could go a couple ways with this. I mean, most recently, I could just cheat and say I want the uh, Samus Mobile from Rocket League because that'd be uh, that'd be the closest thing I'm going to get to her spaceship. I thought you were going to say you want that dumb flying car from Final Fantasy 15. No, God, no. That thing was a death <laughs> trap. I died so many times because of that thing. Um, no, the other options would be I would probably just gravitate towards Transformers video game and say I could do something like a you know a Bumblebee in Camaro form um, or a Jazz Jazz in, in some sort of race car form that'd be cool because then I get the I get both the best of both worlds how would I wreck a Transformer though I don't know I mean with uh, with the Samus Mobile from Rocket League I guess I would uh, wreck it by getting demolished by somebody else that's better at Rocket League than I am I think I want the Chariot from Mario Kart, <laughs> <laughs> and I wreck it by just being in first place for too long, and I get hit by a blue shell. I want <laughs> this <is> stupid. <laughs> I want the school bus from Cruising USA oh, oh, because man. how many other school buses have you guys ever seen that can do a wheelie? I know a school bus <laughs> that can fly. <laughs> yeah, zero though. Zero to your answer to your question. Zero. And how I would wreck it would be I'd be on the Chicago level where you know you have to go underground in the tunnel and the level is divided by, by pillars. You always hit them because you're awful at video games or by you, I mean me. <laughs> right, right, yeah. And that's how I would wreck my Cruising USA bus. Cruising USA was the first Nintendo 64 game I had. It's the game my brother and I bought with our N64, so it left a, a big imprint on me. It's a good game. What about Sebulba's Pod Racer? Does that count as a as a car from a video game? It doesn't. It's a Pod Racer. Okay, then the school bus is a bus. <laughs> it's a four wheeled vehicle. Pod Racer's got four wheels. They're just not used on the road. I'm, I I need I need images like canon image images. I to would prove this. side with Jazzy and I would pick the uh, what was the dude's name that had the two wheels and he was just like <laughs> in in like a gyrosphere like of that's the only other character I remember from Twisted Metal is that idiot that just held two wheels together. Yeah, yep. Him that, and Sweet Tooth are the only ones I remember. But no, um, those those would be my answers, I guess. Well, all right. Thanks, Buds. Thanks for sending us this question. And sorry you got to work a bunch at the auto show. 
I'm sure you're having fun, though. I'm sure you're not. You can get a Bavarian pretzel, and that's about it. And, and some almonds. I like pretzels. Ooh, yeah, some good almonds. They have almonds at PAX? I don't know. I, I don't buy food. You would smell them. You'd smell them if they were there. I'm going to say no. I'm never going if they didn't have uh, candy almonds. Okay. Well, that's been emails again. Hold on. You- time out. But since you brought this up, we don't buy food from PAX after last PAX East when they came up with the uh, Ganondorf, um, um, uh, what was it called? The um, Triforce hot dog. Ooh. Was it and three it hot was, dogs on a bun? It was three damn hot dogs <laughs> on a on a bun. That was it for $22. Yeah, but you get three hot dogs. For $22. I was like, and then when we went to go buy one because we were just starving, right? The lady looked at us and goes, you don't want to buy that. <laughs> I was like, okay, we're going to leave then. Yeah, um, we don't, we, the packs of, and there's um, not, not the greatest, not the greatest. We usually just go, we leave the convention and go eat Chipotle or something and then come back. Grim, you want to go to my house in a couple of days and I'll make you try for his dogs? Yeah, yeah. I got real excited when I saw the name because we had been to PAX before and they didn't have like the unique names. I was like, oh, cool. They're making special like dishes, you know, video game themed. Did and you, then you go look at it, it's just like three chunks of meat on a, nor, on, on a normal bun. It's not even like a giant bun or anything. It's a normal bun that can't support the three. Actually, if you go over to my house, we'll have Conker's Tacos. It's just going to be diarrhea and taco shells. <laughs> That'd be better than what I saw at Pax. <sighs> Anyways, emails. You can write them to us. Info <laughs> at GameFillMedia.com. You'll get great answers like school buses and sweet tooth cars. And hot dogs. And, and hot, hot dogs up your butt. I don't care. Uh, that's that's the email segment. That's usually how we end the show. So let's wrap this up and go home. Ooh, I would also drive an RX-8 from Auto Modelista if it was cell shaded like that. So a cell shaded RX-8 in real life. How I wreck it, I have no idea. Crash into a wall going too fast, I guess. There do, you go. Do boats count as cars? Yep. <laughs> then I want the Kigger Red Dragons from uh... Hydro Thunder. Any 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 boat from there? I want a jet ski from Waverly's. <laughs> That's my favorite car. <laughs> There's jet skis at the auto show. Yeah, I think they're prizes. They're there. <laughs> they're prizes there. Winning a raffle. They're there in the in the in the hallway, not in the actual show. Man, or they're in the back of a truck demonstrating that a truck can carry a jet ski. There's also puppets in the hallway, so are puppets cars? Legally, yes. Okay. The Batmobile from... Uh, Batman? Batman, yeah. <laughs> Batman video game. Well, I was going to say from the Arkham Knight series. Or, oh! Or the tank bat... Yeah, yeah. I take back everything I said. I want... I want... Kane's car from WWE Crush Hour on the GameCube. <laughs> oh my god. The Undertaker's hearse. Uh, what about what about Super Monkey Ball if I was just in a ball? Does that count as a car? <laughs> is a ball a car? Yeah, it rolls. But the thing from Marble Man, this is that, is that a car? <laughs> is, a, is a marble that gets attacked by like jumping worms, is that a car? It might be. I, I I'm not a scientist. I don't know. Is Cubert a car? I've never met him. I can't. I don't know. Oh. It's 2018. If he identifies as a car, it's he's a car. It's 2019. It's 2019. I don't even know what year it is. I identify it as it being 2018. <laughs> okay, we're way off the. There we go. We finally went off the rails for this show. What we can bring this, it back in. What about this beer? No, oh, that was so bad I couldn't drink it. I'm really excited for you, for you guys to sample it after the show. <laughs> this beer shit. might be four years old. <laughs> I no. can't. I can't do it. I'm driving. <laughs> I can't do it. I'm driving too. In a Gr- car. Grim. 
you're tasting some of this beer. Let's wrap this show up. This has been episode 243. Good job. Yeah, this is it. Of the GameZilla podcast. Probably the final episode. Who knows? <laughs> it definitely, definitely is. We're going to start saying that at the end of every episode so no one's shocked if we never record another yeah, one. We'll, yeah, We'll exactly. never be wrong. Yeah. We'll always be wrong, except for once. Right. Jazzy would be really glad he's not here. <laughs> <laughs> he would have been like, this was a really good show for the last five minutes. <laughs> All right. Well. Yeah, well, thanks for hanging out on the episode. Remember, you can uh, listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever it is that you listen to your podcast. We're there. Hit that heart emoji. Give us five stars. Leave a review. Helps us so much. And uh, make sure to check out all of our other great podcasts. Noobs and Dragons, Legend of Retro, The Last Action Podcast, Movie Blast with Bob and Bax, and, of course, The Game's Little Podcast. So thanks, everybody. Remember... We are your elite free DLC, and for all your gaming news, game on. No, it's not it. We are your elite. I screwed it all up. I screwed it all up. I'm looking at this the wrong screen. Until next time, <laughs> game, game on. on. <laughs> Goodbye, everyone. You're welcome.